0: Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where
1: we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer.
0: Hello and welcome. To another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Gianna Whitmer,
1: here with my amazing co host, Maria Velasquez. And our guest today has no idea what we're talking about. And that's an amazing way of starting. An awesome yeah, conversation. So,
0: Joseph, you You'll know, are our... really
2: fresh and honest here, because
0: <laughs> exactly. So, we love this. Actually, this impromptu discussion, this real world stuff. This is how we usually do our. We do our episodes like minimal prep. We do a little prep because people get nervous, but we like to do minimal prep. So, first off, introduce yourself. You are our amazing guest. You're director of Demand gen at Sunrise Security. Tell us. Joseph, who are you?
2: Yeah, I'm Joseph Bearinghouse. I'm based out of Dallas, Texas. I have been in cybersecurity slash security slash cloud. I don't know, really take your pick. For a while, big fan of startups, love building stuff from the ground up. And so it's kind of why I keep falling back towards the startup space. And now I'm the director of demand gen at Security. now, a cloud security startup that focuses on identity access and permission in the cloud.
0: Awesome. And I feel like demand gen is a confusing term, right? It's like kind of a catch-all. And Maria, I know, is also a director of demand gen. And I previously was a director of demand gen. And it is like a fuzzy term. So if we had to dive in a little deeper into like what you do as director of demand gen, can you tell us sort of
2: what's your role like? I think what's funny is like if you asked Maria what her job is and you asked me what my job is, we would probably give very different roles at the exact same time. Like our responsibility may be close in some ways. Oh, gosh. Let's um, do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm responsible for creating awareness for our products, for our company, for our space, depending on how you look at it or how you want to talk about marketing. And then also making sure that we do take the awareness that we've created and bring it into our pipeline, into our funnel. One of the unique things that I'd say about Sunry is that we do have a really tight relationship with our sales team. And so I actually get to work the whole funnel all the way through from before you are ever even a known person, you've ever seen my site, you don't even know what space I'm in all the way to you're a customer now that you know, I'm in POV channels, we're doing renewals, we help with a little bit of everything. So I mean, that's honestly because of the team we have, our sales team, our, our SE team are just incredible, our CS team are great. So it's a really, really unique position. But I get to kind of t- do all the touch points from digital, owning our website, owning paid social, our SEO strategy, alongside my great partner on the VP of product marketing side. So a little bit of everything is what I mean by it. you get to do everything, especially at a startup, right? So Maria, what do you do? Your yeah, role? you're
1: you're <laughs> absolutely my twin, and I love that you started off explaining and describing your job in Dimension with brand awareness, because a lot of people think that brand awareness isn't really part of demand gen or that it's like its own separate thing. And demand gen just goes after sort of the paid channels and and that sort of thing. So I love that. Yes, it's a big part of demand gen. I mean, the way you described it, that's actually brilliant because you're right. We do touch on every stage of the pipeline. And yeah, essentially, we are the closest function that works with the sales team and sort of the, the glue that ties it all together.
2: Yeah agreed.
1: Hi there. My name is Sean Matson, and I head up digital strategy at Checkpoint Software. We use Hushly as our primary demand platform. We use it to remove gates, we use it for our landing pages, and we use it for our resource hub. And it has improved our conversion rate by 5x.
0: Hey, demand gen experts, is MQLs part of your job responsibilities? Let's talk about that.
1: Make me choke here. It was, <laughs> <you say> MQL?
2: <laughs> it was when I started. We had MQL goals when I started at Sunry. I had MQL goals, uh, previous companies as well. I also had, I'd say a mentor slash former marketer told me that I've never missed an MQL goal before in my life. That's how easy it is to make this shit up. I don't know if we have an explicit <laughs> rating, but you might now, or you might need to have a beep in there, but... It's kind of funny, right? Like you absolutely can. I think on, on a roundtable that we were on in the century marketing group, we were talking about, I was like, I don't know how many MQLs I had this month because I really don't care because it doesn't matter. I know how many opportunities I had. I know how many made it to fit test and how many made it to POV. I have all of that memorized. I can tell you right now. I don't know how many MQLs I had because it doesn't matter. I do know how many demo requests I had. I know how many form fills I had filled out on our high priority stuff, like our free trial or you know our free audit test. Like I know how many of those things happened. I couldn't tell you how many got arbitrarily scored up because they downloaded download an ebook. I don't care, and neither does my sales team. They don't care. They don't want to know. They are not going to follow up on it either. Neither is my SDR team. They are paying attention to early and late indicators of someone being interested in our solution or interested in our space. And there's tools out there, but also just opening our eyes and seeing who in the market is is having issues with that. So I'd say we've been making that shift here. It's been. Certainly challenging, but we got buy-in from our sales team and our leadership team all the way to the top before we made that move and made that conversation. But when I started here, I absolutely had an MQL goal.
1: That's so true. That's so true that you need buy-in. And leadership is a big part of that. Because sure, you can be that one marketing person within the marketing team that believes that MQLs are just a distraction. But then... You're probably the only one on a hilltop screaming that. And you need that village behind you to make that shift and the mindset. That's brilliant.
2: Yeah. I mean, our head of sales was interested in it. Our SDR manager at the time was into it. Our CRO was into it. And we had conversations with the five of us and our CMO and, and our CEO. We just talked about why it didn't make sense. We showed them the conversion rates. We showed them how much money. I mean, we were doing content syndication when I got here. and I have not done content syndication in months. It's a waste of money. I have other places I can spend money that work way better at both to your point where are driving awareness, but also capturing it. I'd rather go spend the money there where I know they are, where they're doing the thing that I've asked them to do, or they're in the channels that they're part of. They're not downloading an ebook. And if they are, I promise you they never read it. I promise.
1: So on that then, content syndication, you're paying attention to more of the later stages in the funnel, right? Ready to talk to sales type leads. Are you then just ungating everything in terms of content? Because that now that doesn't matter?
2: Good question. So I don't I think someone described it really well. I wish I knew who it was that I could give credit to. I might go find it, but someone described it really well. If you would charge for the asset, then you should gate it. If you would not charge for the asset, you shouldn't gate it. A great example is like the Verizon data breach report where they spend tens of thousands of dollars doing that research and they do gate that. Now, there's still a component of legion. I'm not going to say that legion is completely worthless. There is still a component of we. There is a way to capture people at a later stage in the funnel for relatively inexpensive with some legion. So I'm not anti gating everything. I think that's a really hot buzzy thing to say. Just take it all, ungate it all, put it everywhere. The flip side, I want people to learn about our solution. So when we do come out with things that help promote us or help promote our ideas. We do ungate the ebook because I want you to get it right then and there and probably read it. My point of no one's going to download and read it isn't that ebooks are useless. It's that if I download it, you send me an email. I have to click the link in the email to open it back up on your website. That is never going to happen. Ever. 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 I actually found one, a form like that on our site yesterday, and I was like, "This is a terrible experience." And I work here. I'm not doing this. <laughs> so we went to go fix it. But like, give the person the thing right then. So if you do gate it, give it to them right away take them at their form submit, give them write the ebook right then, give them that piece of content right away. We still capture, I'd say certain things, webinars, you have to have an email to get people signed up or send them a calendar appointment, some stuff like that. You just have to require a gate. But when we put a lot of work into our research, I may gate it. It really, I'd say, marketer's favorite phrase, it depends. But more often than not, I lean towards ungating the content if it is relevant and we put a lot of time into it.
0: Awesome. I wanted to dig into a little more of your brand awareness comment before we talk about like this sales relationship, too, because we want to hear more about how you actually have a great relationship with sales. You said brand awareness, like Maria said, you put that first when you started to describe your demand gen role. How are you thinking and executing on brand awareness at Sunrise? Would or maybe give us either maybe some success story or something you're proud of in the brand awareness realm. Because especially right now, as the economy is shaky, and people have to cut their budgets, many people cut brand awareness first, they cut it, and then it's gone. And you lose that sort of long term momentum that it can create. So tell us, Joseph, what do you think?
2: This is great timing. I actually just had a a full day brainstorming session slash training session slash work through session with our agency, who I will not mention right now, but I do love them. We'll talk about them privately later. And our, (laughs) whatever, directive. I'm a big fan of directive so far. Oh, Oh,
1: you are. Okay. We need a whole episode on that.
2: yeah, we can do that at uh, any point. But yeah, big fan of them so far. They they understand SaaS, and so we dove really deep and did some brainstorming with them yesterday. One of the things that I'd say we did when I first started making this shift, like we were talking about, to the awareness piece, they're not gating. We did the thing that everyone talks about on LinkedIn being so fun and popular and working so well. And it works like 12% of the time. And it works when you're selling to marketers. But everyone says, ungate everything. Just talk about your product. Don't talk about gating or capturing anything. Don't talk about how you can actually solve the problems. Just make your brand known. And that doesn't work. or It shouldn't work in every scenario. So that's kind of like, I guess, my hot take is when we first started this we went way left we were capturing everything doing syndication when we started and then i was like let's see what happens and we shifted way left and did all awareness on a single bit of capture with the exception of google search and stuff that you would normally do for capture and went way left and that's just it's too far in one direction and then we went way back the other way and so now we're kind of coming back to a happy medium and and it took some learnings to your point right like it's not easy necessarily you have to kind of find your audience your balance this, the folks on LinkedIn that are, you know, fun little—I call them LinkedIn influencers. I don't know if that's the name or not, but I'm going to brand it. If not, trademark. Um, the the that's how,
0: that's how it works. You just say trademark, and it, it it's yeah. applied. I declare
2: bankruptcy. You know that's <laughs> <laughs> Michael Scott.
0: <laughs> and now for another content tip from our partner, Content Workshop. David, what do you say to people? who think that storytelling in cybersecurity is too hard to do.
2: I tell them that storytelling is industry agnostic. Humans are biologically hardwired to think, remember, and relate in the form of story. It's why we're able to binge a new show for eight hours a night. It's also why the best commercials don't feel like commercials. A good story, they say in advertising, is truth well told. No matter your industry, service, or product, there are endless ways to tell your story. All you need is a hero, a goal, and an obstacle. And we help cybersecurity companies achieve that.
0: Thanks, David. Learn more about Content Workshop storytelling services for cybersecurity companies at contentworkshop.com.
2: I think they primarily, if you look at who those companies work for, more often than not, it's salespeople and marketing people that are selling to salespeople and marketers. And that's great. They do have some amazing things that I have learned from them myself. I've learned a lot. But it's a very different audience than who I sell to. So to some extent, we just kind of had to test. So we did shift really far one way. Then we're like, that wasn't it. Let's go back. And then we're kind of finding a happy medium. The flip side too is sometimes you do need tech to be able to prove that ROI. And I'm not going to say any tech is like, you have to have it for this. But in some scenarios where you do ungate everything, you need to be able to say, I have been putting a lot of effort into making sure these accounts, these companies, these people have seen my message. And oh, you know what? They came to the website too. Oh, and they submitted a demo form. You can put your little how did you hear about us form. I guarantee you they will forget it was LinkedIn because they're not a marketer because they don't think about those things. When you're sales and marketing, yeah, of course, I think about the ad I saw. But if you're a cybersecurity person, you probably didn't think about the ad unless you clicked on it and filled out the form. So, you know, I think there's a middle ground you absolutely should be talking about the brand and there's a concept right too of it's your space I'm promoting or it's your company I think there's a good again figure out the mix of both if your space is super unaware maybe you do need to brand your space and talk about how you own the space or talk about how the space has evolved so that somebody else isn't educating your market and then the flip side too you've done that now let's educate them on how you're special in this unique market that you're creating as well or part of that maybe is still evolving and then capture at the same time but don't shift too far one way or the other. That would be my my biggest word of advice is, and if you do, watch it close.
0: Oh, that's really great. And I love what you said also. This is something I think about a lot about the form fill, the self-attributed form fill. That'll be the last thing the person remembers. It discludes all Recency of the display bias. ads. Yes, exactly. It is a great indicator. It's not the truth. You don't take it as like the full truth. If you're selling to marketers, maybe they are like, Oh, I saw an ad once on Instagram. And then I went to Facebook and then I saw you guys mentioned an industry rag. And then I met one of your, one of your people at a conference. Like I will actually fill out like, how'd you hear about us like that? I do. I give detail. I'm a marketer though. So are you? Exactly. We're marketers. We're really in tune with the ad tech space, like channels, all of that. But there's value in knowing where someone remembers you. And, There's value in knowing that you might've done a ton of marketing to that account that they did not see or remember, or they, they did not remember, but primed them for this, this moment, right? How many touches to get there?
2: I'll give you a good example. We had, we went to a conference, a big conference for our company. We met with someone at the event. Another person came back to our website later, completely different than the person we talked to, filled out a form, said, we want to talk, set up a meeting. We're moving forward there. But the touch points that took place before that it was organic search, organic search. They clicked an email, they clicked an email, organic search. Oh, met you at the event. That's what they remembered. That's what they told us. That's where our, our teams remember because that's the most impactful moment. I'm not denying that there are impactful moments in a journey, right? It's not just think about it in a U or a W or whatever shape you want, honestly. But there's a lot of touch points that get you to the actual deal created and then deal closed. And I think that's the whole life cycle that has to be part of. We actually For our sales kickoff, one of the things that we did was we took a deal that we closed, closed one. We took that and we mapped the entire journey. It took me about five hours to go back and do for just one channel. It took a lot of work. But it was a concept of like sales team, we're working together. We have a relationship here. We're working with you on this. So if you want this piece of content to help get earlier, they're seeing it. Here's where they saw this. Here's where they saw this. Here's where the op was opened. Then they did all of this stuff still. And we showed the meetings on the calendar, everything. I think it was somewhat eye-opening because you don't really think about all the touch points that go through it. We basically did our own manual attribution with that attribution tool for that one customer. And it was really cool. It was a really, really cool experience and cool to talk through with the team because it's somewhat eye-opening to them too. So anyway, I yeah, couldn't agree more. There's certainly moments of time where it's like, this is impactful. This was the moment, but there's a lot that goes into it. And Again, that starts at the top, making sure they know that and see that as well. So we try and even change our the way we talk about it internally. It's not this thing was the reason we got it. it's like this thing and the SDR and the sales rep and the SE and the word of mouth from a customer talking to another customer, like lots of things influenced it. So some that's even just changing your internal marketing as well.
1: Yeah, I love that. I'm actually in the process of doing exactly that and and building that deal story for three or four closed one opportunities, right? And going back manually, kind of like what you you did and just understanding that the velocity change after we've served them an ad or whatever the influential touch point or engagement from a marketing perspective made that op go in the right direction. Yeah, that's a really cool exercise. I wish there was an automated way or a tool that would do that? I There's probably something out there or maybe you're Salesforce can out of side. that.
2: We, <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, thank we, you. You know, we did that manually and I, I had tools to help me do it manually. And then, you know, we're looking at certainly options as well. So I'll hit you on the side.
0: Joseph, you're in our Slack. You're in our community. What do you think of it? Mm-hmm. What do you think of the Cybersecurity Marketing Society?
2: Yeah, it's good. There's two Slack channels that I check often. I've got eight on the tab that I'm looking at right now on the side. Seven of them have notifications that I haven't opened in a long time. And the two I continually open are, the Tech Marketing and another one as well. So I go back and forth between two and obviously our company Slack. But yeah, it's good hearing from other marketers that are in the same space as me. Again, like what you read online is from marketers that are probably in completely different industries for you, which is great because I love getting ideas from B2C and from other B2B vendors. It's just it's good to see how they're doing it and then adapt it for our own markets. The Part of what I, in my actually interview process, I was somewhat pointing out how I think my main role is understanding my buyer almost as much as my sales reps with the mix of I want to be able to pitch it, our product. If I can't do a disco call pitch, I shouldn't be in my position. That's my personal belief. And I know there are a lot of marketers that don't know how to pitch their product at all. I'm not an expert in cloud security, but I can hold my own for a call. And I think my head of sales would would back me up on that too, I think. I don't know. Maybe we'll ask him. But uh, I think that's an important factor of being able to actually talk the talk, not just walk the walk. Because if I'm trying to get someone to trust us, I need to at least be able to know what I'm talking about a little bit.
1: Yeah. What's your advice for making time in the week for product knowledge and learning. I mean, in the marketing side, I think in my opinion, it always feels like we we'll are run, run, run and catching up. Sometimes we barely have time to reflect and think back and understand what we're doing, where we're going. How do we find time to sit on those, you know, course calls or demo calls or whatever? Have you found a good routine or discipline?
2: Yeah, I'm a really big calendar nut. You know, I've got the multicolor calendar coordination going on here. I'm a big organization fan inbox zero type kind of guy. And I'd say making sure you actually block your calendar for time slots to do that training or to do gong recordings or to do whatever that may be is super important. I'll also say, shout out to the SEs, super underrated role. I have absolutely never, never, I will say by had a bad head SE and I have always made it my mission to be close with that head SE, like on a work relationship too, but also a personal basis. It helps me understand better because of the struggles they're having. So when I first joined Sunry, I spent a lot of time. I think I probably had three or four calls with my head SE, about an hour and a half long each. I had three or four calls with our, our head of product marketing at the time, trying to understand what they thought about the market, the space, the product, how we were different, how we were special, because then I can take that into the the campaigns we're doing and the creation that we need. And then again, sales team. If I'm close to the sales team, I'm hearing what the market is saying through the team. Sometimes it's a game of telephone, but usually they're pretty spot on. I mentioned that call that we had yesterday or the, the brainstorming session with our with our agency. And I spent time at the very beginning, bringing in two of our sales reps that again, volunteered to do this. They came on the call, told us the things they were struggling with and the things that they were winning with. And it helped form our content discussion on what we needed to create, what assets we needed, how we needed to try and market to them and get them more aware earlier on in the funnel. So I think, again, that relationship is super important to be able to do that. But Start with your SE team, block your calendar, make friends with your, your SEs and just like even understand their life. And by the way, a really hard job, by the way, just to call out. Like, I have to be as technical as an engineer in most scenarios, but also be able to sell like a salesperson. It's a difficult job. I don't want to discount that at all. Give them a lot of props.
0: All right, everyone. If you're looking to generate quality cybersecurity leads and opportunity pipeline for your sales team, Webinars are the channel you need to be leveraging. Lead Gen webinars bring you real live audiences in your target ICP with engagement you can measure, something other channels just can't match. Actual Tech, an official lead generation partner of the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, specializes in fully turnkey cybersecurity webinar programs with CPLs far below what you're used to. Everyone, I have spent a lot of money on webinars and lead generation in the past. And I gotta say, I was really impressed with Actual Tech. I saw the results of those webinars that they've been running for cybersecurity audiences, and I was impressed with the lead quality and the lead quantity. So visit actualtechmedia.com backslash CMS or hit today's show notes for more information.
1: Gianna, is it time for our game? It's time for
0: our game. All right. The game is, we are going to guess what you'd be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing now. And we're going to do it very quickly because we only have two minutes left. Uh, and then tongue twister.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then, Joseph, you're going to pick a winner. So, Maria, go first. Joseph, I don't know why, but, you know, you mentioned you're super organized and you're an inbox zero kind of guy. And I don't know if politicians are as organized, but <laughs> I feel like you'd be in politics, but managing someone's campaign. Like you would be that person keeping it all okay. together. And, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know. I
0: like where you went with that, Maria. My guess, Joseph, is that you would be training sea animals to do tricks. <laughs> like I think you'd be good at that for whatever reason. And also, it'd be at a very like it would be very humane. It wouldn't be SeaWorld. It would be like we rescued some seals and now they can like do cool things.
1: Be like free willie okay. style stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I have to pick. Is that the gist? Yeah, pick you pick one? the I winner. Pick is better. Yeah, I and then you tell us the. Yeah. Yeah, your sounds fun, but Maria.
0: (gasps) Oh,
1: you did a switcheroo. (laughs) I know,
2: I know. (laughs) Yeah, I think that I think it would be interesting. I think it would be super interesting
1: to do to do like a to be a campaign manager.
2: Yeah, I mean, man, talk about a hard job too. There's so much stuff that comes out. I don't know if I'd really want to do it today in today's world, but like I don't know, maybe a decade from now or a decade ago, it would have been fun. But yeah, I think I think it'd be interesting. It'd be a very challenging job and kind of fun too.
0: I am never gonna win. I'm literally <laughs> this is it's like it's like it's like 40 episodes in a row. Okay. So Joseph, what would you actually be doing? Give us the very quick snippet of what you would be doing if you weren't doing this.
2: Man, I don't know. I really I really like marketing. I really enjoy marketing. The only flip side that I, I would maybe gone into would be a sales role. You see a lot of marketers that do sales and go to marketing. A lot of marketers that go from marketing to sales. The real reason is I feel like we don't understand the life of salespeople a lot as marketers. And I've tried to do my best to do that. Hence why I try to have a good relationship with sales. But you really don't understand. I still don't understand. It. I'm close with them. And I still don't understand how hard their life really truly is. And I think there's some mutual respect that comes from people that have done both sides of the house. That would actually be, I think, maybe the only other route that I would go. I really do love marketing though, so I'm here where I'm at.
1: Love it. Well, thank you so much Joseph for being on the show today. Yeah. I think we need a part 2, part 3, part 4, part 5, and <laughs> 6. <laughs> there is so much Good we time. need to keep talking about. Thanks for our listeners. Remember, there's a new episode that drops every Wednesday. Subscribe so you can get the alert and give us as many stars as possible and yeah, thanks for listening today. See you next time. See ya.
2: Thanks, y'all.